Good evening, everyone. I'm Anne-Marie Cronin, and I'll be hosting a special live broadcast tonight on News Talk 760 WJR. We're going to be talking about the prevention of disease and the urgency of taking action before the onset of serious medical problems. Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention, is here tonight to tell you what you need to know about how to avoid heart attack and stroke altogether and what you need to do to prevent Alzheimer's and many other chronic diseases. If you have a question, we're opening up the lines and taking your calls. So please make a note of this number, 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. We'll be repeating it throughout the show, and this is your chance to talk directly to the doctor. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. You're listening to News Talk 760 WJR. America, listen up. This message is for you. If heart attack and stroke are 100% preventable, then why is heart attack still the number one killer in this country? I know you pay a lot of money for health insurance, a staggering price for medications that are prescribed for a chronic disease that you're stuck with until the end. But think about this. The first presenting symptom of heart disease is often death. No turning back on that one. The truth is the six simple tests you need to prevent heart attack and stroke are available and easy and around the corner. They're not even costly, but living with the debilitating and long-lasting effects of stroke are. Wake up, America. Stop letting the widow maker be the silent thread in the room. Start living your life with reassurance. Show me you've figured this out. Get tested. Call Colander Medical at 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R. That's 866-COLANDER. Have you been diagnosed with atopic dermatitis, commonly known as eczema? Millions of Americans are diagnosed each year, and researchers are constantly developing new treatments. At our Dermatology Research Clinic in Ann Arbor, we're enrolling children and adults in paid research studies. We're also looking for patients with perigo nodularis, plaque psoriasis, and other skin conditions. If eligible, you could earn up to $1,500 for participating, and the treatment will be available to you at no cost and without involving insurance. To find out more, go to skintrialsmi.com. You'll be paid for each visit, and you can schedule convenient appointments with our dermatologists that fit your schedule. Just go to skintrialsmi.com. If you've been diagnosed with eczema or other skin conditions, you could be eligible for no-cost treatment in our clinical trial and receive your first payment as early as next week. That's skintrialsmi.com. Skintrialsmi.com. Sponsored by Vile Trials. Again, I'd like to welcome all of you to a special medical radio show here on News Talk 760 WJR. I'm Anne-Marie Cronin, and we're here today to talk to you about prevention and why you have to start looking at health care from a different perspective. Dr. Brian Collender, MD, is joining us from Birmingham, Michigan, to give us some hard talk about dealing with our health and making sure we get the necessary testing. We invite you to call in if you have a question at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. Dr. Collender, welcome back. And we can still be talking about COVID or we can be talking about prevention. I don't know where to start anymore because COVID's back on the screen again. Well, COVID and prevention could be the same thing. You know, on Sunday, we just recorded a show on Sunday about self-care and resistance to care. I think it has a lot to say about 
willingness to take care of yourself and who or who doesn't take actions to protect their health from uh, outside environmental uh, uh, antigens and, and these viruses that are going on. So this, you know, what we talk about today is going to have an impact on our Sunday show, but still Sunday at 3, I should say. Right. You know, back in April, I declared COVID was over. Yeah, and but not anymore. It started up again. Well, back in April, we said that COVID is over, and the reason is that there's an abundance of vaccine, that if Mm -hmm. you want to get vaccinated, there's plenty of vaccine availability. There's no issue about getting a vaccine. You walk into any drugstore and get vaccinated that day. You know, and that was very fortunate because, you know, Siobhan and I were in Costa Rica the beginning of uh, June, and it was pathetic to listen to the people that live in Costa Rica that were waiting for backup you know, vaccines that they had to stand in line for and wait for. And here we are. We had them all over. We had a choice of Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson Johnson, and everybody was offering vaccines. So it was very prolific here. And we needed to be, I mean, I think we, we ought to feel fortunate about the fact that you could go anywhere, anytime, and they made every effort to make sure that everybody was vaccinated. And you still could. Yeah, Just not to, so in other countries, though. Right, but today you could still walk into any store and get a vaccine you know, and you even have a choice because every all of them are out there. You can pick which one you want. So the reason we declared COVID over in April is because if you wanted a vaccine, you could get one. And if you didn't want one, it was your choice. And, you know, a lot of the listeners feel strongly about their freedom of choice and the ability to get a, take a vaccine or not. People don't want to be told what to do. Well, then I still think COVID's over. Even though there's surges in the Delta virus, in the papers today, they're saying 97% of the people suffering from COVID hospitalizations are unvaccinated people. Yeah, that's a very, you know, uh, unbelievable amount. But 97% of the people were unvaccinated, the ones that are showing up in hospitals. And this, you know, the dichotomy here is that we had the, we had not only vaccines, we had choices of where to get it done. They were even going to people's homes. They were going to nursing homes. They were they were just doing as much as possible to try to make sure everybody got vaccinated. And we even had the choice between Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson and Johnson. Not so in other many other countries that you know were way behind in getting the vaccine. So there's a and lot still of there's news. resistance. And well, I know that your Sunday show at three o'clock talks about resistance. There's a lot of news. I mean, the news is going twenty four seven about the rises in the numbers increasing, tripling numbers, of course they're going to go up because they were down to zero. There's nowhere for the COVID numbers to go but up um, because it was down to almost nothing in every state. So now the numbers are tripling. I mean, I don't want to sound callous, but if 97% of the people who are in the hospital right now with COVID chose not to get the vaccine, it was their choice, right? Well, it's their choice because it's a free country, but uh, it was unfortunately a misguided choice. Well, we, well, I don't know that our listeners would feel that way because our listeners that are not vaccinated now would probably call in and say, I still don't want it. Well, they haven't wound up in the hospital or on a ventilator, so I think they maybe ought to take a trip over to Beaumont or somewhere and take a look at what the future may hold if you don't get a vaccine. Well, I think some of the other argument that some that people would say is, well, of the people that are getting COVID that end up in the hospital, it's still maybe, 
again, I don't know these numbers exactly, but we're less than 5%. Uh, it's probably safe to say less than 5% of people that get the Delta variant end up in the hospital. So the numbers are 95% that they'll not end up in the hospital if they get the Delta virus, the, va- the Delta variant. Um, and that's the reason still not to get vaccinated. So they've got a 1 out of 20 chance of dying. So It's not you, a good number. Right. I mean, if you were going to bet against something and you had a 1 in 20 chance of losing your life, would you take that bet? No. No, of course not. So the question is, why are people still not getting vaccinated in the light of what we know now is, which is if you don't get vaccinated, your chances of dying is 5%. I think it has to be fear. And I also see an awful lot of people walking around the golf course with masks on and walking around and running and riding their bikes with masks on. And I'm wondering, why in God's name are you running around with masks on outside? And maybe that's what they feel is their protection, that masks will save them, whereas masks won't save them. I would bet you that those people are vaccinated. The people running around with a mask are vaccinated. That's for sure. No one who doesn't want to get vaccinated is walking around with a mask. That's antithetical. Mm-hmm. If you really think that uh, COVID isn't going to hurt, you're not going to wear a mask and you're not going to get vaccinated. At 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. Dr. Collender, starting, we've got Al from Grand Blanc is on the line. Al, what is your question? I'm kind of curious, of all the information that we've been seeing and hearing, you don't seem to hear, or maybe I'm missing it, about people that have tested positive for antibodies. Where do they fit in the scheme of this? Well, thanks for bringing that up because... Right. Well, this has been looked at, Al, and it's not a question whether you've been exposed to COVID it's a question of whether you've been vaccinated or not because it's if you've been exposed to COVID, you know, uh, six weeks ago we talked about this on the show, and at that time we said COVID's really over because if you were exposed to COVID, um, you're immune. And literally a week or two after that we learned that's not the case. It's really come down to have you been vaccinated or not because if you've been exposed to COVID, you're immune to the version of COVID that you're exposed to, not a variant. So, so far, there is not a variant that's developed that's not being uh, handled by the vaccine. So even if you've been exposed to COVID, you should get vaccinated. You are not immune to the Delta variant. So the message is that everybody still ought to get vaccinated regardless of whether you've been exposed or not exposed. Or... Well, we've been saying that every show, and I don't know that anyone that hasn't been vaccinated cares. You know, and then if you don't care to get vaccinated with what you know, then should we care that people are getting sick? This is their choice. Yeah. And you live with the consequences of your decision. Now, we can feel bad for them. And we still have to treat them. But they made a choice to not get vaccinated, given the knowledge that they're not immune to the Delta variant. And if they get it, they have a more, you know, less than 5% chance of ending up in the hospital and dying. It's kind of a sticky wicket, though. As you were talking, I was thinking about this, that, you know, 
children need to be vaccinated against all kinds of diseases and they have to get these vaccines in order to get into school. And so therefore it becomes mandatory. You want to go to school, you've got to have these vaccinations. But when you're talking about an adult population that has the freedom of choice, as you so put it, that's really a very sticky wicket because they don't necessarily have the education to be able to understand what the ramifications are to have or not have a vaccine. And I want to say we've been very sensitive to people that don't want to get vaccinated. I'm going to say up till now, I'm a lot less sensitive because now it's just clearer that if you're not vaccinated, you're at risk. And there's enough safety data built up among hundreds of millions of doses to show that there just isn't anything happening uh, in a bad way to people that are getting vaccinated. So it's really tough to, for me to hear a reason not to get vaccinated that, that I'll go, yeah, you shouldn't get vaccinated. I just don't see it when prior exposure doesn't protect you either. Well, we're getting back to up here with calls. So Jeff from Waterford is calling. Jeff, what is your question? Well, hey, Doc, I know that you said that um, previous infection doesn't give you immunity. But from everything I've ever seen, a virus is generally a virus. And most of them follow the same general rules of nature and science. So when you when you catch the virus, your body makes, you know, the IgM, which is the immediate response to combating that virus. And then the IgG, which is the long term uh, antibodies. So generally, once you have these antibodies, I mean, if you look at any other virus, if you look at all the different strains of HIV or you, you look at all the different, um, just the different strains of viruses, generally your body makes the antibodies to protect. Uh, and when you look at the actual number of, of actual reinfections out of, you know, 60 million confirmed cases, I think there's been maybe 12 in the U.S. So I'm kind of when you say that you're not immune once you had it, I, just I don't, don't I don't know that anything you're saying is accurate. I want to be honest. It's it's because when you get HIV, you don't develop antibodies. You know, so people with HIV have chronic ongoing illness, and people that have had COVID are still being exposed to the Delta virus. It's a mutation in the virus that's different enough to cause disease. And what makes COVID different is that it's a novel virus that our bodies have never seen. So when it changes enough, it's like a brand new virus. And why the vaccine leaves us immune and prior exposure doesn't, I'm not a virologist, so I don't know. But the data is out there to support that. And the common sense says, well, then you're just not, you're just not protected by, by, by immunity. You need to be vaccinated. That's your message all the time. We need to be vaccinated. All right. We've got Kelly from Harrison Township on the line. Kelly, what is your question? Yes, I can't believe what I read. I was in the chiropractor's office today and looking through some health magazines, and I read that the Pfizer itself said that a person that has the vaccine can actually give the virus to those that are unvaccinated because they're admitting something called spike proteins. And it can actually infect unvaccinated people. So now that's interesting. I'll take my answer off the air. Thank you. Well, thanks for the call. And you are right. So, um, but in general, um, 
people that are vaccinated can still carry some small amount of uh, and replicate some small degree of virus in their respiratory system. Um, the tests have become very sensitive. So you could have a positive um, COVID test after being vaccinated and not really have any clinical disease. So it's, you know, could you pass that to an unvaccinated person? Yes, but the data shows that if you've been vaccinated, you're really safe from your getting it and you're safe in terms of getting it, passing it to other people. But I, I mean, I want to say it's possible, but they're just not seeing that happen. It, this is really being passed around among people that have not been vaccinated. So what you're saying is if you've been vaccinated, you can still be infected and be asymptomatic and pass it on to somebody else. Right. And I want to clarify the last caller. I said that HIV doesn't generate antibodies. It does generate antibodies, but that antibody doesn't confer any immunity. So having a positive antibody doesn't mean you're immune to a disease. It just same thing with hepatitis C. That's a chronic disease. You just don't necessarily get immune to it or B. It's having generating an antibody response doesn't mean immunity. Mm-hmm. And so in in COVID, it it does, unless you get exposed to a different version of it, and then it doesn't. And that's what we're learning as we go because it's a novel virus. And now we have how many different variants of it that are on the maps, you know? Well, there's the four major the variants. Delta. So, you know, now we're up to, don't ask me where they all come from, but they're right now we're up to the Delta one. And there's going to be more. So it's no... I, there should be no expectation that vaccination means you are not going to get the, vac- the virus. No virus, no vaccine confers total prevention. Um, I would expect to get uh, COVID again. I've had it and I've been vaccinated. And you still think you can get it again? Yeah, why not? Oh, that's interesting. I mean, it doesn't mean I'm 100% immune. There'll be another variant and I might get it, but it just won't be as bad as mm-hmm. like not having any immunity or vaccine. And I might need a booster down the road. We just don't need a booster for Delta because the current vaccines work. Now they're talking about vaccinating severely immunocompromised people. Fine. Can't hurt. You know, do we need it? I don't know, but it certainly can't hurt. The prevention of catastrophic disease. And you came back to me with less than 1%. Right. Okay. There's no excuse for that. That's really pathetic. We have the technology in this country. You have, you have the money, you have the technology, you have the healthcare, you have the experts, you have everything. And we're talking about, my guess was 2%, you're saying less than one of the entire country that absolutely is lost and doesn't know where they stand. 600,000 plus people dying of heart attacks every year. There ain't any hope for the future if you only got 1% or 2% of the, the country that even knows where they stand as far as risk. Well, the reason we talked about this off the air is on Facebook is because, you know, if you're not going to get vaccinated, at least take care of yourself so that if you get COVID, you put yourself in a better position. And the reality is people just don't know what to do. They That's don't know right. where they stand health-wise. You know, so we practice a very high-level prevention. And if you're seeing a doctor, um, and really 95% of doctors are working within a healthcare system that only relies on insurance, insurance doesn't manage prevention, real prevention anyway. So that means 95% of Americans have no idea what's going on with their health. And the data that they're being provided is all misguided and wrong. 
This is really a crucial statement that you're making here that I don't think most Americans are aware of, is that their insurance companies, their insurance carriers are doing them absolutely no favors whatsoever. If you have a heart attack, they'll cover the cost of the stent or they'll cover the cost of the hospitalization. And uh, who knows? I mean, they're barely covering the cost of medications. Uh, they're woefully short in, in covering the cost of medications. So, And the fact that they're not covering or paying for the, the necessary tests that you do and that some other doctors do in order to guarantee the prevention of a heart attack is nothing short of pathetic. Well, agreed. You know, That's it's, my speech it's, for yeah, today. No, good. Well, maybe we'll get another one. So <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it takes a special, you know, you got to find someone who's willing to step outside the system again because the insurance company has no skin in the game about preventing disease. Why invest in your future when to them your future ends at 65? So most of you will have these problems when your commercial insurance is no longer responsible for you. They've got no reason to invest the money in your in your long-term health when they're not responsible for you when you're going to be your sickest. They have no need to. So this is a, I don't even want to call it a gamble. It's not a gamble. It's, 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 it's free money. Okay, the, let me, the let me odds ask you, are with them. Go ahead. Let me ask you a quick question here. I was there when they brought the first CT cardiac calcium scoring test to Detroit, and that was before Beaumont or any of the other hospitals had the test. And I want to say that was probably 19 years ago. Now, how come is it in all these years that have gone by for a $125 test that Blue Cross has not done anything about covering that and, and making it available to people? Well, they're not, they have no investment to do that. Why not? It, well, it's a preventive test. And so why invest in stopping something that isn't going to likely happen to their, to their, uh, what do you call them, their constituents, most likely until they're onto Medicare. So their goal is to keep you alive and, and keep your costs down until you get to Medicare, and then let Medicare take care of the problem. There's no, there's no reason for them to pay, invest in your long-term, I mean long-term, lifelong health span this doesn't even make financial sense, though. If you stop and think about it, covering a $125 test or a $250 test that will prevent a heart attack doesn't necessarily mean that the person's going to have a heart attack when they're over 65. What if they have a heart attack? Look at the number of people that die of the widowmaker. They die when they're 50. You are correct that, that it doesn't make sense, but it does make financial sense to them because I, I'll have a lot of respect for the people that are in the in the insurance business because they're making billions, <laughs> billions every year. At our year. expense. At our right. expense. So they know what they're doing. And if they thought prevention made them more money, believe they me, know, they'd they be know doing what, they, they know what they're doing when it comes be, to making they'd be, money. They'd be doing prevention. And I could, I could rant on this for a while, but John from Oxford is on the line. John, what is your question? Doctor, thank you for taking the call. And I certainly agree with you with people who choose not to vaccinate. That's their problem. My question is this. My cardiologist does a lot of tests. I had the carotid test, and he said I did fine. Uh, but he has never had me do a blood test that would reveal if I had uh, bad cholesterol. How uh, should I demand that he do that? 
You have a great speaking voice, by I the know, way. Right. I'm going to say that. So uh, you're welcome Keep calling. anytime. Right. Calling us anytime. So, John, um, blood flow tests, in my opinion, are utterly worthless. Um, I can't believe you've not had a cholesterol test. I mean, that's a standard, you know, I'm going to call it routine blood test. But your question of is it wrong, I'm going to say that a cholesterol panel means absolutely nothing for risk. Now, your cardiologist may not know that, and I'm pretty sure that's not the reason you did or did not get the test. But between all of us, a lipid panel means nothing. And frankly, I've stopped getting lipid panels. They're worthless. And so, thank you for calling. What's John supposed to do? Well, that was his question. You know, what do you, you know, so, the, you know, he still doesn't know. I would say, even though you're told your carotid is fine, if you have any plaque on there, you're not fine. And you need to take action to stop you from making plaque and reduce the plaque that you have. Yeah, so he needs to follow up on it on his own. Anyway, we've got another call here. We have Alan from Cleveland. Alan, what is your question? Yes, uh, hello, Dr. Collender. I, I really appreciate your show. I've been listening for a long time and great information. Thank, and Anne Marie, you're great. Oh, well, uh, thanks. Actually, <laughs> piggyback on the last caller's uh, situation with his heart test. My doctor recommended two tests for me, and I, I did uh, have them uh, performed. One was called the nuclear stress test. The other was called an echocardiogram. I'm 61 years old, and I went back in as a follow-up after those tests, and I said, well, doctor, how does the test results look? And he said, well, you're fine. You don't have anything to worry about. So it was, it was a very short and sweet synopsis, but I'm just wondering, are those tests Again, listening to you, it doesn't seem like uh, they might be enough to make a valid diagnosis in uh, my state of my health, but I, I would appreciate your comments. Well, thanks for calling, and you're absolutely right that those tests mean absolutely nothing. So the stress test is only there to identify severe plaque. When I mean severe, I mean plaque that is blocking the blood flow enough to cause heart damage during a time of stress. So what that means is Unless you have a blockage that's maybe 70 to 80% or more, your stress test is going to be normal. The problem here is that people that have heart attacks and strokes mostly have a plaque buildup at 50% or less. It's not blockage that kills people. Blockage leads to symptoms and eventually gets diagnosed because it's not that hard to diagnose with a stress test or a CT arteriogram of the heart arteries. The key is stopping you from dying, and you need to identify plaque. So we do a test called a carotid intima media thickness test. It measures the layers of your wall of your artery, and those numbers tell us your risk. And we do blood work that measures inflammation of your arteries to predict plaque rupture. Plaque rupture causes a clot inside the artery wall, and... That's what causes a sudden heart attack. So the answer to your question is you got the wrong test. No, and Alan, just uh, to let you know, if you want to have some recommendations to get these tests, you're, feel free to call Dr. Colander at 866-COLANDER, 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R. If you have a question for the doctor, now is your chance to call us at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. Dr. Collender, we're on the last segment. I encourage everybody who's listened tonight to tune in on Sunday at 3 o'clock to listen to our recorded show where you give a lot of 
extra information for patients. That's uh, 3 o'clock on Sunday. What are these patients to do? I feel sorry for every caller. Every caller's in a mess. Well, I think we need to talk about the last caller because I feel yeah. like we did a whole show in about 75 seconds. Right. Because it was the end of the segment. So he, what was his name, Alan? He um, went He went to Cleveland. get a, he, so he went to see the cardiologist and he got the standard cardiologist evaluation, which is a stress test and an echocardiogram. So the echocardiogram is there to look at valve abnormalities. Um, you know, is your heart valve uh, working? Um, is your heart pumping? And I'm going to say, if you're listening to somebody's heart, you can get an idea whether you need an echo. Now, there's blood tests that I do that measure heart failure. You know, and, and again, these are not tests people are using in this way. So we've talked about other shows about identifying microscopic vascular disease, and we use these heart failure blood tests as a surrogate marker of microvascular disease because these labs are so sensitive. They measure heart muscle damage on a microscopic level, not like massive heart muscle tissue damage, but just a few cells die, these blood tests go up. And I measure them and follow those as a gauge of my progress. So there's so Are these many, tests that other doctors are doing? They, they're not doing them. They could be doing them, but they're not. Why not? Well, they don't know what they're doing. They're just not doing them because they're in the system. We've said nine, we said 95% of doctors are, are built in a system that, that's run by insurance. Insurance isn't paying doctors to spend the time to go over these tests. It's really about time. I don't even say it's about, well, this is covered or that's not covered. It's about having the time to review the results. We've said all the time the labs are not that expensive, and they might be covered, but the time to review them isn't covered. The doctor is like a cardiologist. So Alan got screened for surgery. Mm-hmm. The stress test is there to find out if you need an operation. Mm-hmm. And if you don't need an operation, come back next year. I hope you don't die before next year because he did nothing, that cardiologist, to figure out if you're going to die or not. Wow. You don't need surgery today. Come back next. And, and a large percent of people who are at risk are going to die. They're going to rupture a plaque have a clot inside that artery and block blood flow that wasn't previously blocked because they just had a minor plaque, just like the prior caller who got told he was okay by the cardiologist after his carotid. Okay means you don't need surgery. It doesn't mean you have, he didn't hear about his plaque or how much, or here's a plan to not make more plaque. It was just, you're okay, see you later. Mm-hmm. Next guy, next widget. Where's the next widget down the so chain? So it's just basically waiting until they get bad enough to qualify for interventional cardiology and, you know, whether it's a stent or a bypass, it's, you know, or they're just waiting for the person to get sicker and sicker and sicker. And hope you don't die before the next visit. Oh, my gosh. That's our healthcare system. So half of the people that have a heart attack are doing what they're being told to do. I don't mean they're living their life the best way but they're on the drugs they've been told to take. And that's not enough. It's just not enough. You need to do different tests that I look at things a lot more closely. You need labs that measure the progress. You also need to look much deeper in other conditions that, I, that cause these things to happen and recognize them before they um, become a parent of their own. Right. I mean, how many times, and we talk about the show, about identifying people 
who are on the path to becoming diabetic 15 or 20 years before their blood sugar goes up. Because mm-hmm. that's 15 or 20 years wreaking havoc on their body mm-hmm. that's not being recognized. How do you know? It's there. you got to look. The problem is the treatments aren't covered. The drugs for treating and stopping insulin resistance and diabetes aren't covered until your pancreas fails. Just like your stress test, and, well, I don't say your stress test, but your um, surgery for your artery revascularization isn't covered until your, va- your artery fails. Well, I, we've got another caller, but before we take the caller, we're very short on time here, and I just want to let all the listeners know that if you need a referral or if you need some guidance on where, on where to go next with your various medical problems, of which there are many, please call 866-COLANDER, and Dr. Colander will certainly make every effort to make sure you go on the right path. In the meantime, we've got a caller from Macomb, Dan. Dan, what is your question? Yeah, hi. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, what do you, doctors, think of taking a drug? I don't know much you know the drug name, Repatha. It's an injection uh, for high cholesterol. I love Repatha. Oh, that's I good. really do. I because lo- it's plus. yeah. Um, I love Repatha. So Repatha is a drug that is a biologic. It's not a statin, but it lowers your cholesterol. And again, we're not. I don't care about cholesterol. I use Repatha in people whose inflammation markers are not getting better, despite all of the things that I think that they need to do and are doing. And I think I've maxed out their statin dosing. And again, I don't care about stat about cholesterol. I use statin drugs to lower artery inflammation. And there's a lot of studies that show that Repatha plus a statin is better than a statin alone. And again, who cares about cholesterol? But it, those, that combination prevents events. It prevents heart attacks and strokes. So I actually use Repatha a lot. And I hope this person's not setting me up as a Repatha rep. But I do love Repatha. Um, it's safe, very low side effects. Um, it's a, it is an injection, but no one in my practice is afraid of injections because um, I love injections. Well, it's good that if it works, right? Well, I only use things that work. Oh, absolutely. I mean, because I don't, I don't have a vested interest in anything except my patients getting better. Right. So if it doesn't make someone better and doesn't keep them from having a heart attack or stroke, and I like things that are as natural as possible, and you go, well, I'm just talking about drugs, but some drugs are either just have to be used or they're more natural. So, I mean, I love Repatha because it doesn't have, it really has almost no side effect profile, no drug interactions, and has a huge impact on cardiovascular morbidity and mortality, meaning less heart attacks, less death. Well, I think the important message out here is that people need to realize that they need to take a step to get involved with the, the whole practice of prevention and stopping these incidents from being catastrophic. And unfortunately, we'd like to think there are more prevention doctors out there, but there aren't. So do you have anything to add to the listeners who are tuned in tonight? Well, I think it's important to find a way to identify your true risk. And again, where are you going to do that? I don't know. Amory will invite you to call our office so that you can, we can point you in the right direction. And then put you on a program that is fluid meaning we're going to personalize it to you. It might change over time, but we're following the right markers that identify risk. And I I really try to not do anything we don't need to do, just what we need to do, but we have to look closer very early on. 
Absolutely. And they can always call you at 866 Colander to get that referral.